everyone. Welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. So this is a podcast focusing on the connections between anime and Canadian media. And we are going a little off that main topic today, but I think it's okay because we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of listeners on this show will be interested in. Uh, back when I started the podcast in around 2015, late 2015, I uh, I said that I was going to have the key creatives behind the Adult Swim Canada series Night Sweats on the show. And I'm happy to confirm that I am no longer a liar because they are both here today. And hey, they've got a new show uh, coming to Adult Swim Canada very soon on uh, on June 4th, 2023. Chances are it may already have aired uh, by the time you listen to this, but you'll also be able to check it out on the, the various uh, streaming platforms Chorus has, like the, the global app and, uh, and Stack TV. Uh, so and I'm very happy to ha- have them here today. The new show is Psychops uh, from Wind Sun Sky Productions. And uh, joining me today is Chris Nielsen and Bart Batchelor. Guys, it's great to see you again. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, long time coming. Absolutely. But it's uh, glad to have you here. So Psychops, I've watched the first couple episodes. The show is fantastic. It's funny. It's dense. I, you can watch this multiple times, and I think you get more out of it every time you watch it. And I have already been telling people about it for, for quite a while. Uh, and every time I bring this up with people, they always ask me if this is related to Babylon 5. Uh, is, is this something that you've been hearing as well? As I, uh... I have no connection. Explain the connection. Uh, Absolutely zero. <laughs> okay. In 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 Babylon 5, there's an organization called the Psycorps. And oh, right. Psychops, it kind of looks like that. And I, I don't know. I think you guys should just lean into it. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let the lawyer consult us on that one. See how far we can lean in any direction. Well, hey, looking at your stuff in Night Sweats, looking at Psychops. And I mean, we'll talk about each individual show as you know, we'll, we'll get to it in a moment. But you're very much leaning into the experiences of people who watch television in the 1990s. That's. That's really what you guys are are digging into with uh, with your approach, with the stuff you did in Night Sweats, and what you're doing with with Psychops. Because with with Psychops, you got you, you got some X Files, you got some totally real uh, alien autopsy stuff. The the atmosphere and the the aesthetic, the color palette, it all feels like a very '90s kind of thing. And I felt that a lot of that with your stuff on Night Sweats as well. I know. Yeah, that's that's uh, nice that we're able to pick on up on that. We're definitely kind of, especially for Psychops, our aesthetic we're after is late 90s, early 2000s. X-Files, absolutely. And kind of like our our bigger goal is to kind of marry modern storytelling methods. And as you said, like dense and quick with that kind of older aesthetic, which is kind of like, you know, when you go watch an episode of X-Files now, it's like that stuff was slow. We're trying, yeah. we want to kind of make it fast and snappy and catching up to our kind of ADHD generation. And it is so dense. Like each episode is 11 minutes, which I think is great because that's the length of most you know, American adult swim shows. So, you know, it kind of fits in with that flow of adult swim, even though a lot of people will watch it streaming. Of course, but yeah. they've got, they finally, you know, course always was doing stuff that was in the 30 minute realm, but now they're, they're down into the like 11 minute or 15 minute realm. So it kind of, it fits in that flow and it, it often feels like you've, you've written a, what would often be used as a 22 minute script and cut out every bit of fat possible <laughs> and crunched it down to 11 minutes. And it, it only benefits from that. 
everything is just rapid fire. Nothing misses or it's very rare that it misses that I found. Uh, it's very funny you bring that up. It, it's uh, for one, um, it, like our page count um, is astronomical compared to another 11 minute <laughs> <laughs> show. And uh, and Bart and I were talking about this earlier today. It's uh, oddly a bit of a sport of ours to to get things as dense and as quick and as fast as possible. And we're always trying to one up each other and uh, the whole team trying to kind of like push them to go further and further every time. It's uh kind of become a calling card of ours. Yeah, the sport of how much can you cut out? And and to Chris's point, you know, in, in animation and film, you always hear a page per minute for a script. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a 90 minute script, uh, feature probably was a 90 page script and ours is more than double. Like our scripts were 26 pages for 11 minutes. Animation goes, it runs a bit quicker. It's usually like 13 to 15 for 11 minutes. But yeah, we're up there at 26, 26 pages. And it's kind of, when you get into the sport of it, as Chris said, it's pretty interesting how, and and I give it the audience credit, a lot of credit towards is the modern audience is like, you don't need as nearly as much as you think to tell a story. Like people, people can fill in blanks, pick up the smallest cues. It's kind of fascinating how much you can cut out. We over record and overwrite. And then it's pretty shocking how many beats, how many moments, how many pieces of dialogue and expository you can rip out of a piece and it still be super cohesive. So when you say cut down the fat, absolutely. Yeah, in episode two, there was one, I won't, I won't spoil it, but there's a joke about tomato juice. It, it's, it's some good misdirection because it feels like it's going to be a bad joke that's going to get dragged out. Like you, you'd expect in a lot of shows, it just gets dragged out and used as filler. But it v- very quickly turns out to be something that's really dark and ties into the rest of the episode in a, well, I won't say unexpected way, but in a way that you won't initially expect. And then it, it all, it just, you know, ties into the main storyline. I thought, I thought that was, that was really great because it took me off guard. On Adult Swim so far, a lot of the the adult content that that Chorus has put out, it's from the French market. And uh, this is the first one that they've done that's actually produced for the English-speaking market. And I can't can't really criticize the French shows too much because they're made in a completely different cultural context. And I find like stuff like, you know, Red Ketchup is, is made for that audience, but they're still dubbing it in English because they, you know, they need the content. And I find usually these 30 minute adult swim, sorry, adult targeted shows they make are a little, little, little more dragged out, but this is, uh, it is, it is short, dense, and you know how to play with that. Exactly. That's really funny. And that kind of brings up two points. Like one, I, I agree. And I think, uh, French stuff, um, obviously the French language is denser and it like, yeah, to, uh, I'm imagining like, uh, to go like to translate from French to English, like you end up with like just a lot of space that um you have to kind of fill in with english because uh because we can get through it quicker in a in a strange way or maybe i'm thinking about that the opposite direction but that kind of makes me think we we have the the french translation of psychops coming up that i was gonna ask is there a french version of course there's a french version there will be and we haven't heard any of it and like we are really stoked to see how they cram the translation (laughs) into that it's going to be very funny is it just being dubbed in French or are they doing other languages as well? So far, just French. Our goal is to make some uh, international sales down the road and be dubbed into a bunch of languages. But yeah, it's just French now. And I think, yeah. Chris, to your point, it's just generally there's more words in a French sentence mm-hmm. to, to complete that sentence. So it'll be curious uh, how they're able to pack it in. Just to take a step back, uh, can you guys just 
explain psychops in a nutshell just to, to give the context for, for what we're talking about with the show absolutely yeah it's in its simplest form it's basically animated x-files and you're replacing Mulder and scully with two morons it's a paranormal detective show starring uh the lead detectives kid and felix who are very out of the box thinkers when they're out there kind of researching ghosts and vampires and aliens and stuff and it's a half office comedy because if they're not out in the field doing research they're back in an office with an ensemble of kind of like fun characters a hacker and a brute and a and a project manager and stuff so yeah paranormal investigation comedy with night sweats uh you made a number of the shorts on that show but this one in particular or it's building off, in particular, it's building off of World Doctors. It feels like an extension of that whole approach to to comedy, especially since the main, I, maybe I missed nuances, but the main characters seem to be effectively the same characters <laughs> that we had in uh, in World Doctors. Uh, you are not wrong. That, that is, it's kind of recent, you know, when, you, when you're working as long as Chris and I have, we in the last four or five years, we, you know, the truth is you're, when you're in comedy, you kind of have a shtick. And our shtick is two creative geniuses, I'm doing quotes, morons, uh, with jobs. And it's repeated throughout all our work. It's there, there's doctors, there's con artists, there's paranormal investigators. It's so, yeah, they keep graduating. We, we do try to every step, like between World Doctors and Daddy and the Big Boy, another show of ours, and then to Psychops. We try to add more layers to those characters, like James and James of World Doctors were like really one note. We do feel like Kid and Felix and Psychops are spiritually the same, but they have a lot more layers to them that that throughout the series you get to kind of that unravel a bit. And you play each of those characters. Yes. Yeah. And as part of our stick, Chris and I both do one and, each. And do you feel that the characters are an extension of yourselves in a way? Or is there just a specific role you like to take on uh, when when doing that? No, I'd say uh, there's uh, there's a split focus between them, and I think each of them, each of them kind of uh, occupies just one half of our psyche, I'd say. But um, the way the characters kind of split up, um, the action versus, <laughs> I don't want to say thinker, but like a planner versus an actor, um, it's kind of funny because I think uh, my James in World Doctors was probably closer to Felix, who Bart plays on Psychops. Um so we kind of we we can easily fit into both of the characters. Now that said, Psychops, we've recorded twenty four episodes, and I couldn't see myself slipping into Felix at this point. Okay, you, right. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't we um, go back even further and actually look at where this kind of started with Night Sweats? Uh, so, can you guys just kind of summarize the story behind what like what what Night Sweats is and how that came to be back, you know, seven or eight years ago? I know it involved. You know, a number of companies that no longer exist. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've outlived them all. No, I mean they've all just transformed. I think um, let's. It probably goes back to uh, Bart and I making a series called Archaeologists, um, just in our spare time uh, while we were working in advertising. Mm -hmm. uh, so we get together and we'd be idiots on a microphone um, and and just kind of goof around for hours and. Uh, I remember Bart sent me some animated stuff that he did of the first episode of Archaeologist. And it was, I think, Bart, was it the fingers jamming when we were typing on the computer? Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, okay, this is just fucking nuts. This is amazing. And um, 
we we just kind of built off of that and started playing with that. And the, the fun thing with that one, it was um, animated in Poser. So all the characters were like stock models and it was all really accessible and we could just jump in, just the two of us, animate the whole thing. And that kind of got quickly picked up, right, Bart? Yeah, the, uh, uh, it, it, a couple of, I mean, we tried a bunch of little YouTube experiments in the animation space trying to get traction and something about archaeologists, this bad janky 3D, this is, we're talking 2008 or nine right now. Uh, it just resonated as it, you can imagine it would in that time. And it made it around enough that at the time, Nick Dambour, who's a great Canadian animator, uh, who was working for Conan O'Brien doing Conan O'Brien skits, animated skits, found it, sent it to Josh Bowen at Blue Ant Media, uh, who then uh, asked us to make a series based off of it, World Doctors for Mondo, which I'm sure you know Mondo on YouTube. They have, they have tons of comedy animation. Uh, and so he, Josh Bowen, who we were just emailing with earlier today, trying to get him out here for our launch party. Uh, he, I mean, he did some amazing work. He, he, he produced, a, and I'm sure you're aware of all this, Jesse, he produced a whole bunch of great uh, Canadian comedy mm -hmm. cartoons and then wanted to pack it all up. So that was like 2015. Uh, World of Doctors had all of its 26 episodes out and there was tons of awesome shows, Crack Duck and Don't Feed the Humans. And we packaged it for adult swim he wanted to have a late night compilation of all these rad shows they'd made and they needed glue in between those segments kind of ytv classic style and he, they asked us to do it chris and i did do that and that's where we came up with night sweats we, we branded it and came up with those two hosts who kind of walked you through the content yeah it's funny you also mentioned that because you again you see the well, well they continued doing the hosts past the 90s but it's very much a 90s kind of uh focused approach to that i i didn't want to throw out there they just a couple of weeks ago ytv has uh stopped having on-air hosts they've finally taken oh. that um element out of their their station completely and that's oh. been uh end of an era for sure no uh, kidding so, yeah that's sad uh but yeah that's it's part a big part of what uh defined uh night sweats was just you know you you guys were there on screen holding things together uh, do, doing, well, I, I don't want to say it's a Tim and Eric shtick because I think it ultimately turned into something a lot different than that. But, you know, there's definitely that kind of influence behind it as well. And, you know, just the two of you getting your face out there as well as the face, the faces of Night Sweats. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, that, that was critical to, to making the whole thing work. And you did a, I know that this started with a number of different different shorts as it went on, and I think it, at a certain point, uh, even if even after it had been passed on from Blue Ant to Teletoon to Adult Swim Canada, uh, the sh you were still producing the show. Like the show wasn't fully in the can yet. No, that's true. Uh, yeah. We had, we had started kind of making. Um, yeah, no, it's funny as it transitioned from where it was going to land uh, at the beginning of 2015 to where we ultimately landed. But it did. It it changed hands, and I think that's um, just because of the the partnership between uh, Blue Ant and Chorus, like where they where they wanted it to land. Also, just um, just the changing landscape at that time. Everything was kind of all over the place. I think this was during the early days of Quibi, when everything was just like the Wild West. There was just like shorts all over the place, and yeah, I don't know. It's a fever dream. If I try to look back, <laughs> which were the which were the segments that you did on on night sweats you of course it was world doctors mm -hmm. um so I, I, have, we, I have a list and i think it's incomplete well it's it's a 
I, I, there were a couple that became series. So we did World Doctors and we did Tuck and Ranger. Those, those yeah. were probably the ones that were the biggest serials that we did. We did a short called Blood Alley, which was kind of fun. We did one called Extreme Extreme Business. Yes, Extreme Extreme Business. That which was, was uh, I love that one. That one's funny. <laughs> so definitely got a soft spot in my heart for that one. Was NPC in there by that time? No, I think NPC was kind of its own beast. Yeah. And is there a way to watch Night Sweats now? I think it's kind of, it's just it's kind of gone. They stopped rerunning it after a certain point, and I don't know if it's oh. even available digitally or anything. I think if you throw on a VPN and pay for VRV, if it still exists. Oh, it was it, Verve does not exist anymore. Okay, <laughs> it's gone. Uh, I didn't know it was on Verve. That's it was. Uh, I do know some people were watching it on their Nintendo DSs through yeah, some streaming that. service in the the states. Yeah. Um, so I, it exists in various formats, but, uh, we're not up to date with where it is, where it lives right now. We can ask Josh. That's interesting. If I had known it was on Verve, I would have been like telling people to watch it, but my friends in the States and I, I didn't, it just was very, um, uh, under the radar, I guess. There was also a network. Um, where did we do that? Like share die Bart. Do you remember that? There was another series that Mondo did. It was called Like, Share, Die. We did a couple segments for that. And I think it played on the Fusion Network, which was uh, another brief, briefly lived entertainment network down there. Mm-hmm. Of course, didn't show up on Adult Swim in, in the States, which I, I think would have been great. I think it could have worked there. But uh, it's not, um, doesn't always work out that that simply as it should with the uh, the way the shows are produced and, and broadcast. Um, I know. Not well, that just... kind of uh, back and forth relationship all the time. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Just uh, yeah, cross your fingers for us. Get us on the air down there. I, I, I think from what I've seen of Psychops so far, I think it would. Uh, I, I think it is better than some of the Adult Swim uh, originals I've seen lately, frankly. Um, and I, uh, I hope maybe it can happen. But again, it uh, it may not even be available to them with uh, with the way these things work sometimes. But um, on that note, so Night Sweats ended in 2016 at some point, and what what happened? Like, what what happened next? What what kind of brought you from the end of Night Sweats to making Psychops a thing? Hmm. A dirty, anxiety-ridden landscape of overworking and hustling. <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah. That, it's it's interesting. That phase got. Yeah, it, it, 2000, maybe around 2017, a lot of the kind of like YouTube shorts had a bit dried up for us, but I think the bigger picture was we were ready to, like our goal starting when we were in our like early 20s, honestly, was to get a, a full show on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. And man, was it ever fun making that stuff for YouTube, like nonstop interfacing mm-hmm. with our, our audience and being able to create something every two weeks but it really doesn't pay the bills. And we really wanted to try our hand at longer form stuff. So we started kind of this quest to sell, uh, to to get a bigger TV show made. And there was a lot of ups and downs. It took six years from the day we pitched it for them to green light it, right, Chris? Yeah, you know, it's funny because we talk about 2016. I think 2016 is when we first, um, first cracked open the script for the initial pilot or demo of Psychops and uh, uh, for us to try to sell a show, like the best process to go through the, uh, the pitching process is to have a animated demo. So, uh, I mean, you watch our stuff, you get a taste for what it is, but if you hadn't watched it before, it's hard to describe that to people. So the best way to walk into a room and be like, here, buy our show is to actually show them something. And we, we cut that 
uh, early 2016. And then oh. it, yeah, it's kind of weird to think about that. Um, and, and we should note that, I mean, a, a couple of important partnerships happened for us uh, starting three quarters of the way through World Doctors, so like 2015. In Vancouver, there's a company called Odd Fellows. Uh, it's run by Chris Ferguson. It's a production company. They do mainly movies. Mm -hmm. But he's a dude who uh, works in our building, the same building that our office was in. And we met him, honestly, because I started dating his best friend. And like, he eventually came to know and love world doctors. And he suggested like, hey, I got contacts in LA and, and knows a lot of people. Like, maybe we should start up a partnership and see if we could do some bigger stuff for you. Thank God we partnered with him. Uh, one of our very <laughs> good friends now. And he got world doctors in front of David Alpert, which is the... Uh, producer of The Walking Dead at Skybound. And he loved it. And he said, I'd love to, uh, this is en route to creating that demo that Chris was just talking about. He was like, I'd love to partner up and create something and see if we can go out and sell it together. And he said like, I love your shtick. Like, how can we do something in the genre space? Uh, and we pitched them on a few ideas. One of them being, what about Supernatural Detectives as the next job? And he loved it. And he commissioned that demo out of us. And we've been kind of riding along with David Alpert and, and Skybound. They've been just such a huge part of it since. So partnering with them was huge because it allowed us to go to Netflix, Amazon, Adult Swim, Chorus. It opened the door for us to go pitch to all these places. Yeah. So it uh, wasn't it wasn't just direct it wasn't just directly back to Chorus and Adult Swim after the uh the after after Night Sweats was done. There was still pitching around and different uh oh, yeah. different parties involved oh yeah Absolutely. it's uh i'd say for every you know success success story that we have personally uh there's probably about you know 20 kicks of the can at it mm -hmm. um pages and pages and pages of, of projects that uh, we thought were gonna fly and um that we love just as as much but just didn't have the the sparkle or or whatever it was to to kind of get off the ground and uh and it's funny when you look back and you're like okay it could have been any one of those projects that ended up landing somewhere, but this one just had something special. I think it was just because it's, uh, you know, it's basically just our two-man shtick again, um, well, elevated. And I, and I think Chris and I learned something pretty important about pitching comedy through that process. Is Chris and I, it, you know, it doesn't seem like, but we're pretty high concept in our work. We start with a lot of like critical theory and to talks of tone and vibe and all this stuff. And for a long time, we thought what sold something was walking in a room with just the craziest, wackiest, you know, out of this world idea. And what we started to realize is like, you know, the, the, these producers that are kind of, that have the money and are, are wanting to make stuff move, they need something bite-sized, easy to wrap their head around. We keep saying, someone said to us something that they could be laying in their partner with in bed at night and be like, oh, I'm working on this thing and say it in one sentence and people get it. And I think up until then we we're pitching pretty complex projects, but Psychops, like literally what we say every time, what we said earlier, uh, it's X-Files replacing Mulder and Scully with two morons and people always go, <laughs> and then, you know, like, okay, <laughs> like it's a, it's a start. Like from there you get to talk about comedy tone and all this, but like it was a huge lesson in simplicity honestly sells in, in this game. Yep. That, that short elevator pitch and then combine that with the, like the one, two punch of having a demo that kind of yeah. shows off the, the rapid voice or the, you know, the rapid monotone performance that we do in this and the, uh, the quick cutting and, and the style basically um, that really kind of helps sell it. So so after our American detour, like heading down and uh, we had some success and some, some ups and downs trying to sell it in the States. 
Um, we focused back on Canada and we ended up partnering with uh, Windsun Sky to help us uh, pitch it out east. And so, Bart, when was that? Was it only that was, a year later? Was that 2017? Yeah, yeah. So we went out, uh, we pitched it to Chorus, uh, we pitched it to CBC, which uh, at the time, like it was a lot more absurd than it sounds now because mm -hmm. they do some experimental stuff, but mm -hmm. yeah, it just didn't feel not, right. Not as much as time. I think they should. But. Totally, totally. <laughs> and uh, I mean, there were, there's not a lot of people to pitch to. Who else was there? It was, it was um, Bell. To, to Bell. Sarah um, Fowley. Sarah Fowley at Bell. Sarah Fowley, we did uh, the Woodsman with way back in like 2006. So we kind of felt maybe we have a little foot in the door here, but it all just kind of comes down to being in the right place at the right time. And, um, <laughs> and at that time we were perfect segue. The right place. <laughs> no, it was the wrong place, but the right people, the right people, uh, because yeah. we ended up, we, at, at chorus, we pitched to, um, Brandon Lane who worked there at the time. Um, and he ended up being a really big champion for us. Yeah, he really loved the project, and 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 we knew that once it was over there, they were pretty excited about it. Uh, and then for Chris and I, it was a couple more years of hard hustling, just whatever scraps of cartoons we could be making and grants we could be getting. And Chris and I come from an advertising background, so we were doing lots of, ugh, you know, just editing ads and brainstorming on stuff for different clients and stuff. Really but exciting yeah. stuff for fun clients and friends in the advertising yeah. industry. Would never disparage them. Yeah. And then, I mean, uh, the, <laughs> the kind of the biggest, dumbest moment of it all was when in 2019 or 20, I meant to send an email to a Brandon in LA. And we, so once, when you're in that hustle, Chris and I just once every couple of months would send a new project we're working on to every single person and supplier and client we'd ever met because every time we did that, some business would come out of it somewhere. And a lot of these people, we had pretty friendly, casual relationships. And so like Brendan Lane, who works at Chorus, was the head of development. That no, was, you're doing it. You're doing no, it. No, no, yet. no, I'm just saying he was a dude. But I knew a dude. We knew a dude in L.A. named Brandon Lane. Right, Chris? No, no you're Brandon. flipping. You're flipping your Brandons and Brandons. See, this is this is how it happened. Doesn't matter. I meant to send a Brendan email and I sent a Brandon an email that just said, what the hell's up? Let's make some cartoons, dude. And I accidentally emailed <laughs> the dude at Chorus and I, I phoned Chris on the weekend. I'm like, did I send that to the wrong guy? Like, like, did I just send the head of development the most casual, stupid email about making cartoons? And he got back to us and I had sent it to the wrong person and he got it back to us on Monday and uh, was like, yeah, actually, we're, we're about to kick off Adult Swim. Funny that you say that. And, you know, your guys' project has been top of mind. But, yeah, actually, we want to make some cartoons. So they've been thinking about what to make for their first cartoon. And we seriously tie it to this dumb email, that misfired email uh, that prompted this whole thing to go off. Well, <laughs> I, I wish we could all be so lucky when we send email to the wrong person. So you've find your whole shtick as a you know a, a two-person show but you know there's a number of other people involved with this of course um and I, I just looking at the cast uh you you have a lot of uh you got some um night sweats alumni back with you jeff shorkey is in the show <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah and uh Br brian drummond mr over nine thousand himself 
mm-hmm. uh, it makes an appearance as well. Uh, who, who else uh, can we expect to hear in the in the, in the cast for this series? And, uh, how, like, how closely did you work with them, or well, how, how, how did that all come together? Yeah, we were pretty. We, we had uh, a lot of really great talent on the show. We have a lot of like our subsequent characters. There's a lot of uh, Vancouver comedy talent that are are pretty well known, like uh, Ryan Beal and Ronald Dario and people out here that are, are well-known comedians. Uh, Brian, he plays a pretty big role, Stone Face Man, who's like a main cast member. There's a lot of episodes focused on him and he's freaking amazing. And we got Brian to do a lot of uh, extra voices in it too. It was so fun working with him. And then we kind of have some semi upcoming in the voice actor world for some of our mains, like uh, Chris, Tiana, Tina, and Dave. Yeah, yeah, and I I think this kind of goes to like what what Bart and I really like to do is avoid you know Brian's the uh, exception to the rule because mm-hmm. he's like Mister Voice right he's in he's he can do whatever you want, um, but we usually like to work with people who are who are I don't want to say raw or unfiltered but it's more like just not typical on mic people like they're more they're more on screen. Uh, or like they're a little bit more, you know, performance based or or a little bit, yeah, I guess raw around the edges. And uh, like that's where Tina comes into it. Tiana is amazing. And uh, and Dejan, they all have kind of uh, uh, smaller roles in TV shows. I think Dejan played a doctor on one of the big CTV long running things, uh, The Good Doctor or something like that, or Saving Hope, one of those. Uh, Tina, Tina does a lot of stuff. She's also a fitness model. And uh, Tiana, who can sing fantastically, um, and they all have like these uh, this amazing range that is like so atypical from what you would expect in a cartoon um, that just makes their performances so unique. And uh, to your earlier point about like how close we worked with it, like it's I mean, if you look at the credits, it's kind of embarrassing because Bart and I do literally every role like we, we have a hand in everything on the show. And so we were directly directing everybody in the booth, like literally in the same room with them. It was during COVID, so we were lucky to have a big studio where we could be, you know, the 20 feet required distance from their faces and still record them. But like we're literally in the same space with them Um, so we can kind of play, bounce off of them and do some improv. Yeah. And you, you know, you do the writing and the voices and you're still very hands on with with the animation part as, again, you very clearly uh, demonstrated when you when you look at the credits. Um, can you talk a little more about the animation process and, and just how you, how you de- define it, uh, just the look and the style and the approach and what tools you use? We, uh, we're, we're kind of, it's, it's not the easiest one to define. I think most people, as soon as you see it, you go, oh yeah, this doesn't look like other current cartoons. And part of it is that we, we really went for a naturalistic feel. Like we're, we're going for semi-realistic looking people. We use 3D models to create 2D puppets. Uh, and those 2D puppets kind of live in a touch of that uncanny valley zone where they're 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 really based on quite close to human uh, proportions and figures. Uh, and then the fun of the show is 90% of it is animated in 2D, but because these are 3D characters, we can break out and have them do 3D action. So a lot of the action scenes, suddenly these guys can have full 360 degree, you know, jump kicks and, and legs and arms flailing all over the place. So it's a real kind of fun uh, visual treat for the brain. And then, and then we kind of treat it all with this post treatment that's kind of loosely comic booky, outliney that kind of ties it all together. So like you don't really see the seams between the two D and the three D very clearly. So they sneak up on you, and it's it's mm-hmm. really fun. It's a great chance for us to play with our um, our 
shitty 3d aesthetic that we've always loved but it's not so like visually offensive anymore like it's a little bit more accessible to an audience that might not quite uh not quite jive with um ugliness on purpose that uh, was kind of a hallmark of our earlier stuff here's another thing i noticed now i know you know this show is about anime i don't know if you guys ever watched anime or, or have any influence from it i we, we could talk about that in a bit if you want but one thing that's sort of similar that I know is a big influence on your work is video games. Uh, obviously, we look at World Doctors, and there's a lot of influence from from stuff like Gary's Mod going into your your approach. That that whole kind of thing. And I, I don't know if this was the intention, but when I look at Psychops, it makes me think of like PlayStation One era games, like the backgrounds, the, the way things are are depicted in the color palettes. It makes me think of like this is the same kind of space that that stuff like parasite eve or resident evil or silent hill exists in like you mentioned with the the 3d modeling over sort of the 2d environments that you'd find in there i don't know if that's exactly what you had in mind that's just kind of the the impression i got but do video games kind of kind of factor into your 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 aesthetic approach well we're both definitely big video game nerds uh we're trying to play less as we get older uh, <laughs> uh, yeah a hundred percent uh, uh that, that kind of the origin of where World Doctors came from is just just basically anything digital that was part of a culture. And it's, it's really fun to hear the PlayStation 1. We haven't heard that before, but you're absolutely like, right, like Resident Evil, this kind of dark, grimy, uh, you know, digital aesthetic. Like it, it's, it's definitely a subconscious influence. It wasn't fully intentional, but for sure, specifically your references, but absolutely as a whole video games, 100%. Yeah, because I was recently I've been playing like the Resident Evil 2 remake, which, you know, is great, far is funner to play than the old ones. But I'm also looking at videos of, of the original game and just seeing that that really distinct um, aesthetic and like the cutting corners they had to do to kind of make that that's environment and impression work in it. And it's like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to deal with tank controls or any bullshit like that. But mm -hmm. there's just something real cozy and uh, and admirable about just the look of those old games that, that again, specifically that late nineties PlayStation one, Sega Saturn kind of era oh, where you know, all 100%, these, all these 100%. compromises have to be made to get this, this, this look down and it just, yeah. You get this tight little visual box to play yeah. in and you kind of have to, you know, you have a toolbox for how you can make something look um, again, big air quotes, sexy within your limited kind of palette and, and, and toolbox. And, uh, and that is a huge, um, it's an inspiration in and of itself, because uh, you kind of need to try to one up what you can do with your limited assets. So the show Psychops, it's 11 minutes, super dense. You have this rapid fire, nonstop Fox Kids kind of dialogue going all the time. Uh, and somehow you have the room to fit in something really amazing in this show, an opening credit sequence. <laughs> And anything to say about that? <laughs> oh man, if we could tell, we could have a whole podcast on this in and of itself. It was uh, it was a journey to get to it. It was a journey to get to it. But I I think you know like going back to everything Barton have always done together. It's always had a theme song, and and that's always been kind of like you know like you got to have like a little mnemonic to tie it all together. Like I like the Woodsman obviously was just a little guitar lick, and then somebody screaming the woodsman hey <laughs> um but like just even just that is is enough and and we're like we want to keep it short we want to do something that lives in that kind of world you know world doctors had the same thing like a 15 second theme song right 
Um, and we were like, what, what's, what's quintessentially supernatural Canadian overwrought, not necessarily a false tone, but like sarcastic. And we're like, is Nickelback? Is, is, is that where we're going to go? Are we going to go Nickelback? I mean, it was an influence. It was a long, it was funny enough. It was a kind of a long journey to find that it was probably one of the biggest, most of the stuff that, because Chris and I have worked on it and been thinking about the show so long, most of it came real quick. Our, our rules on character design, our rules on tone, color palette, sound effects, music, like in, in show music, but the theme song, we were just like, there was unlimited spaces we could go. Uh, by the way, we love the theme song. So like, like great. it's, it's like a, yeah. a passion for us. And yeah, we were kind of like, we wanted to hear like a bad poem, a real like hard, it's a real hard, rocky, Nickelbackian, you know, like miss a bit of a misdirect to Chris's point. It doesn't fully feel like a normal supernatural show would do it, but it fits right in. Uh, but the, the biggest challenge was obviously writing the music. We have an amazing composer named Virginia. What's Virginia's last name, Chris? Kilbertus. Virginia Kilbertus. She did uh, Kilbertus. She did all the music for the show. Uh, all, all the stuff that wasn't cheesy. Um, that one didn't needle drop stuff. We definitely play with our cheesy stock. It's it's. Uh, if you hear anything uh, cool, the show is Virginia. But definitely. yeah, we worked with her, and we we're like, we really want to do some Nickelback, and we wrote that re those lyrics. We're like, what are the dumbest? Like just the dumbest supernatural lyrics possible. Like, like what are some of the lines? Like, uh, I must aliens from my past haunted me like ghosts. Might as well be a vampire because it's just me in the mirror. I'm all alone fighting the skeletons in my closet with my friend. Right. It's just like a bunch of contradictory <laughs> supernatural matchups. We sent her the lyrics, and now we're like, we want Nickelback. And then she found this dude Johnny. Johnny from is this band called The Art of War? The Art of Dying. The, the Art of Dying. Dying. They're a Vancouver band. Uh, they've got some uh, some hits on Spotify. Uh, they're awesome, and they're just they're it. Like you listen to it, and they said like, okay, that's the vibe. Yeah, it was so funny because it was just piece by piece. She was finding guitars that sounded right. We found these lyrics. Anyways, that's a long story to say. It was it was a journey to get there, and Johnny pulled it all together. He's got that screaming Nickelback voice. He he really brought the lyrics, and we're just like we love that dumb theme song so much. And it's really catchy. I warn you, don't listen to it before the couple of times. It'll be in your brain forever. So overall, this this is a very Vancouver show, not just in terms of production, but you're, you're building off of you know, X-Files, actually, Nickelback, all, the, all this other stuff. Anything else that you uh, you feel defines it as a Vancouver show? Oh, hugely. Uh, we like to joke that, you know, like, because Vancouver is never gets to play Vancouver, but like in Psychops, it takes place in Vancouver. Oh, okay. It literally I was going to ask, place it, wasn't, it wasn't quite clear in the first two episodes, but yeah, it is. Yeah, Vancouver. no, it's great. Yeah. It's in Vancouver. They head out to Chilliwack once or twice. They do make a couple excursions out to Alberta, uh, you know, the road trip episodes, but uh, <laughs> it's all, it's all very Vancouver based and we're very stoked about that. Yeah, a, a big point of passion for Chris and I is, is there's like a lot of hidden comedy gold in the West Coast. Toronto, they get all the, they get to have all the fun with, uh, you know, the East gets to have all the fun with the comedy uh, and the shows and everything. It's very rare that original context gets created in Vancouver. So once this started to get look like it was getting picked up, we kind of made a conscious decision to be to celebrate as much of Vancouver as we could in there. For, yeah, like our driving plates in the background are literally our 3D manager or project manager driving around in his car and recording Vancouver itself. Like we're quite passionate. And then as we said, we, we bring as many uh, Vancouver 
medians as the union would let us. And we just, yeah, we really pushed to make sure it, 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 it's not like you don't watch it and just like, it's not hitting you over the head, but by yeah, the, end exactly, of the, yeah. the season, you're going to be like, yeah, this is Vancouver. Like we even detailed on a map where we picture their headquarters. Yeah, you can see that map in the in the background. That's that's, that's right. Now that you now that you mentioned it, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, I spent all the last week at at, at a convention at, over in Toronto, Anime North, just like trying to convince people, like, come on, guys, that Vancouver's where it's at. Vancouver's the it's the future, not not this place. And I'm, I'm glad to hear you guys are kind of backing me up on that. All oh, hugely, that. hugely, yeah. and the, like Vancouver is a huge uh, service city. Like, there's there's a huge animation industry here, uh, but it's all like American shows, or it's you know shows that are show run from out of town. And it was very cool to do it here. Uh, our design team uh, was all at Winsun Sky. I mean, we split it a little bit, but I uh, want to talk just a little bit about our partners on this. Like, we had our our in house team at Winsun Sky. It was maybe uh, fifteen to. 15 to 25 people I think we have working with us there. And then we partnered with uh, Smiley Guy Studios who have done, uh, they've been in Canadian animation for a long time. Recently they did um, Corner Gassy animated series, but uh, we first heard of them with Odd Job Jack back on the Comedy Network. So they've been around for a while and they've been doing adult comedy specifically. They kind of really picked up our vibe. So they were awesome to work with, uh, but they were out East. So like when we were trying to describe like Vancouver neighborhoods, they just couldn't get it right. It was it was a real challenge. So there's um, 26 episodes for, 24. Uh, for the show. 24. 24 episodes, 24 yeah. episodes. So are we getting one a week? How, is that what the, the, the schedule's gonna be looking like? Or are we doing two, two a week? We're going to be doing two a week, um, uh, two a week back to back. Uh, and then I think as soon as they air uh, Sunday night, they'll be up to stream on stack. Yeah. So if you can, if you don't have a cable um, subscription, there are, yeah, you can, you can get it on stack. If you do have access to cable, you can watch it live. And it, I don't, I, I haven't heard a direct confirmation of this, but typically it should be on the global app as well, which you can log into with a, a cable uh, subscription. Uh, if you have access to one of those. And you can you can watch stuff streaming there. It's got uh, it's got ads, but uh, you know it's it's still streaming. Um, and what what over the journey of these twenty four episodes, without spoiling too much, what uh, what can we look forward to? Oh, Bart, you had a great short list, didn't you? Well, short list of, uh, of the the wacky things we can look forward. To. <laughs> I I would say first of all, you get to look forward to like a lot of fun with the main characters disrupting every possible supernatural thing you've ever held dear to your heart <laughs> so like <laughs> there is conspiracies there's aliens there's crop circles there's multiple different types of ghosts there's a house that makes people murder each other there's serial killers there's it's just it's every it's all of that stuff in one place uh and every episode kind of focuses on a different angle of, of one of those uh and kind of a fun a kind of a fun spin on you know we got stuff like like rick and morty out there which like really plays with the comedy animated in vancouver <laughs> animated in vancouver that really plays with the fun of the sci-fi and where we kind of switched it up uh with the with ours is the the supernatural in our show isn't comedy in the sense that like it's never like the ghost of a toaster hidden felix the main guy's make the supernatural funny and weird like they're always on kind of a normal supernatural case but because of their own insanity and weird ways of looking at things they muddle and disrupt every possible one of these the classic setups it seems is it uh is it all episodic or can we expect any kind of uh you know overarching story running through things or care or just 
character development what to I mean, you know I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying I, it has to be one way or another. <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, again, I think this goes to like the the X Files roots. Um, I'd say like ninety percent of the show was purely Monster of the Week episodic. Uh, we've got a couple little threads that you'll pick up on. Um, so it was kind of important how we laid out. And obviously, there's a season finale that kind of caps things off in a fun way. But um, but it's peppered throughout. So it's it's primarily episodic. Uh, but there is a little bit of growth. Characters do go on little tiny um, idiotic journeys and things do happen. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you might want to watch it in the order we show it to you. But it wouldn't kill you if you didn't. No, not at all. On the last two episodes, you could kind of jump in if you wanted. Arguably, the uh, the Monster of the Week episodes of X-Files are the best ones anyway. So. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Okay, before we wrap up, anything else uh, that you guys wanted to add about, about uh, Psychops or Night Sweats or Life? <laughs> uh you know that i think we got a lot of it out this has kind of definitely been our most uh comprehensive chat about psychops it was great questions it's really fun to be able to talk to you jesse yeah really fun to do the deep dive kind of under the hood and, and get into some of the details that uh you know that people might really want to dig into so i appreciate you asking all these questions yeah no problem it's great having you on so um yeah bart chris thanks for coming on uh I don't know if you have if you're doing that much on social media these days, but where can folks find you online or find your stuff online or find more of your stuff in general? We just literally today put a spit shine on Oddfellows Labs, all one word, on uh, Instagram. So you can kind of see a link and there's oh, okay. links to like uh, all of our kind of greatest hits there. And then uh, Psychops, uh, which, you know, is our kind of main main force right now. I think it's Psychops official or official Psychops uh we've got a yeah we should know that yeah page that's we're posting lots of clips and and spoilers and ruin the whole show for everyone on there. okay and <laughs> night sweats is i don't know it's somewhere it's so we i'm gonna ask let <laughs> me bring it up i'm yeah. curious to send a message to chorus gotta, and say where is it yeah, it's gotta it's gotta be somewhere i'm sure yeah we'll, uh, find it. we'll track it yes. down thanks guys psychops uh it, it premieres june 4th at 11 p.m on uh on adult swim canada or is it 10 i can't remember I'll, as far uh, as andre. as far as i know yeah it'll be after eric andre uh so right. yeah that's uh i go to yeah. the adult swim canada website it doesn't say uh <laughs> good to know i'm gonna um, bring that up too <laughs> hold on they got it they got a schedule let me uh let me just pull that up friday saturday sunday the schedule does not currently show when it's going to be running because it only goes to Sunday, June. 5th. Shit. Maybe we've been canceled. Maybe we've been canceled and we don't even know. We'll find anyway, out. Anyway, I'll um all right. I think it's sometime that night. If you miss it, you can see it streaming. I will uh put the actual time in the uh uh in, in the show notes. Guys, awesome. thanks for coming on and thanks for tuning into Zon N Canada. You can reach me on Twitter at Jay Betteridge, just in case you're still on the hell site. Uh, or email zonncanada at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Ultra Kleistron and can be found on his album Packet Flood. And you can find that at ultrakleistron.com. Please subscribe to my show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you use for that stuff. And uh, see you again.